Welcome, everybody, to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, the Friday Night Lights podcast. Right now on DirecTV, but soon to be on NBC. My name is Blake, and we have two other people with us today. I'm Pat. And I am Russ Paulsgrove, and I'm glad to be here again. Russ was with us last week, and Pat, you may have realized, recognized his voice from a voicemail last week, and he's been a longtime friend and wanting to be able to get in. Our schedules uh, coincided this week for it all to be able to work. But um, this week we're going to be discussing episode three from the fourth season. And uh, on first glance, what did you guys think? I thought it was kind of a weak episode, to tell the truth. I know this is like my first edition and my, my first input to the podcast, but I really thought it was kind of weak compared to what all we've seen before. I I thought there was some major action with what was going on with with uh, Coach Eric, but I felt like the side stories were just weak and annoying this week. I uh, kind of felt the same way. I I thought that it was uh, – it feels like set up to something bigger, but right. obviously all the drama is kind of focused on Coach Taylor right now. He, I was just sitting thinking, I was like, hey, I know he's going through a rough time, but he needs to get his crap together. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously that's where all the, the attention is focused on right now. And uh, hopefully some of the other things will start to, to pan out. But, but yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. But I, I feel like with watching the preview for next episode, that it, it, they're still trying to kind of set up and establish things. One of the things I've noticed more and more, and I think – we talked a little bit about it last week, Russ, is that there seems to be a lot more uh, racial tension they're setting up for that. I mean, we know there was the, uh, I guess it's first season, you know, when the the black students, uh, players were going to walk out because of, you know, uh, the coach that had said something, but then it wrapped up pretty easily in basically almost one episode. But it seems like there's a lot of things setting up, especially with Calvin Brown being in Vince's ear about things and now with Luke being on the team and, kind of setting up a lot of uh, conflict there, it seems. And, yeah, like you said, if you look at the previews for next week, there's obvious, obvious things happening there. Right. I, I really feel like – I really thought uh, Eric was about to set off a race war in East Dillon with, when he started screaming at him on the sidelines this week. I was really getting nervous um, there. And uh, But can you see that coming? Like the whole time, it seemed like they were setting up for that too because he's just on him the whole time. And then, of course, Vince is uh, – is um, you know, kind of complaining and stuff about the way he's treating him in practice and all all that kind of stuff. You, you I, th- I feel like you kind of see that coming. Oh, but I, I totally saw the 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 failed block coming. Oh yeah. Well, and the the thing about it is, is like um, he keeps talking about how he, one of the things that they said was, you know, he they keep treating Luke like he's this golden boy. Coach really isn't paying attention to anybody right now. Right. No. Luke's hey. not getting any. Let me tell you what. If I had written a three thousand dollars check and not told my wife, I wouldn't have been able to pay attention to anybody. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I was really impressed with. Is that I say impressed, but you know, looking last week, looking at the previews for this week, um, it almost seemed like she found out and she came and you know busted him for it, and he did come forward on his own. But still, I agree with you. That would have been. You know, World War Three and Four combined at my house, wow. <laughs> and I'm not gonna go lay in bed staring at the ceiling. Her come back and you know pat me on the hand and go, "It's okay, we'll find the money somehow." I still love you. <laughs> It'd be like, been like three weeks later. <laughs> I'd have been working, you know, selling you know chicken on a stick at this at the corner <laughs> grocery store at midnight. <laughs> 
trying to make up that $3,000. This will no longer be a free podcast in Blake's house. <laughs> um, uh, I think something that I noticed in the very beginning, right from the outset, is when the principal tells him that he's the only one who didn't get the joke, that he wasn't supposed to take the job. Almost yeah. as they, um, I, I thought that was kind of, that's the first time they had ever really hinted to that, right. that, that it was this kind of thing that they didn't really want a football program. The subtlety, I thought that was really good. It's like he and knew him before, because you remember when uh, Eric is talking to Buddy, and he talks about, you know, some, whatever the principal's name is, he said, you know, like, you know, Craig, or now Principal Jones, I don't remember what the guy's name exactly is, but like he had some relationship with him before, maybe over at, at Dillon High. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Everybody was together at Dillon? I mean, am I an idiot for thinking that everybody was together at Dillon, and then they just parsed out not just students but teachers too i think that's what we're led to expect i'm assuming they had to go hire some new people too just because dylan's the same it's the same city yeah but you know like i said once before it seems like east dylan at least building wise is a much larger school than uh than the west dylan or the old dylan high and that's another thing you know i'm assuming that luke is a new kid that moved into town because he's acting like that's the first time he's really ever talked with with riggins and all uh, because if he'd been on the team, they would have been you know there the last two or three years. You'd assume if if Luke is a senior, especially if he was good, as good as he's supposed to be. But he played running back, the same uh, position that Tim played last season too. Right. So, right. but that's the thing. Um, he's only supposedly a year older than Luke, but he acts like he's you know like twenty five, and Luke's seventeen. Is uh, is Luke supposed to be a senior? I mean, we I think we all kind of have to with the way that things are going. I I would think we assume he's a little, he's probably he's no older than a sophomore probably. But and plus he you know the only thing about him moving in is that he he's on a farm so he's probably I would think see this is why I think that some of the some of the East Dillon people have been brought from other schools because um I I, th- I think that well I don't know. I mean, in in the booster meeting, they're talking about recruiting a thirteen year old Pop Warner quarterback that they right. need to look at. So, right. Anyway, maybe we're it's possible that we're taking all this stuff way too literally. <laughs> well, I think, well, I think you know, if you look back to season one, we assumed that Tim and uh, Tyra and Lila and all those guys were seniors, along with Jason Street. And then come to find out, oh, they were only juniors. And then the next year, we found out, oh, they're really sophomores that first year. Um, so I think, you know, all bets are out the window when it comes to what grade somebody's in because, you know, we assume that Julie and Landry were sophomores back then. turns out they were freshmen. I think it's because they're on the block schedule. Yeah. And that screws everything up. That's not how we did it in my high school. But <laughs> because apparently, Julie apparently Matt, it takes six years to finish in Dylan. Julie, Matt, and Landry were all in the same grade season one. So Julie and Landry have, you know, suspect academic records, I guess, because they failed even with uh, – being as smart as they were. Right. Can we take a second to talk about um, Joe McCoy, the mustache twirler now? Like, <laughs> I, I, just, I, picture, I picture him like his, I mean, because he has really become like the heel. And, right. and even when, you know, when Buddy made his speech and he's he's got those horrible like Oakleys on and right. he's just kind of looking, he's just so nonchalant about watching Buddy just kind of self-destruct, which – we have seen that before. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he's really just so, it's the first time we've ever seen a guy who's like, he's the personification of evil in front of, in right. front of our faces. 
It seemed like a pretty lame party to me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I told you guys Under Armour would be back in full force with their uh, product placement. That is for real. How much does Under Armour pay to be uh, so highly visible? Well, I knew they were, you know, you saw them very, very strongly the last two seasons. And so I said, there's no way we're going to get through season four without seeing Under Armour. And then their representative comes in wearing his, you know, Under Armour jacket and dropped the name Under Armour about six times, I think. Right. But it didn't work because I went down to Hibbets yesterday and kept telling the guy like this really sad story about not having the money for shirts if he could just give it to me and then I could pay him later on. And it didn't really work like it did in the show. So, Well, you need to, you need to call up NBC and DirecTV and complain. Yeah, I will. I, uh, I, are we talking about biggest moments? Because I, I yeah. would like to get back to that Buddy Garrity moment um, before we move on to the, from that. Because I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of getting the sense that there are a couple of key places in the story that we're flirting with jumping the shark. Uh-huh. And I really hope that we don't go there. Like, I, I, I know that Buddy is really upset with what happened at Dylan, but I, I'm trying to figure out what's changed in Buddy. If, or if he, if we're supposed to believe that he's like more more loyal to Coach Taylor now than he is to the Dillon Panthers, um, because it seems that way. Like when he took him to show him the the mailbox, it seemed that way, and um, I, I don't I don't know if that's really that believable. You're or saying if, that you don't think that Buddy would stand up and say great character, yeah. And if people really are endeared to him, if they're writing that he is now going to start showing up at East Dillon games because they need him as part of that story over there, like. Are we really going to believe that that you know? Because you think about season one when he's pulling all the strings and doing everything, and everything is about Dylan. Um, that he's just going to leave because they've been mean to Eric. I think well, it's less of, of. Go ahead, Russ. I said, I said I think part of it is, and this is just me because I've been thinking about the same thing. I think part of it is that um, he's always been in power. You know, he's always been the guy. I think a lot yeah. of. It, Personally, his, his like identity is is wrapped up in into being the guy who makes the Dylan Panthers kind of run and and do all that kind of stuff. So I think a lot of it is. I mean, part of it it is that he is friends with Coach Taylor, but I think another catalyst is the fact that his he's being he's being stripped of his his power because his speech half of it was about about Joe McCoy anyway. You right. know, like how you've been a thorn in my side and all this kind of stuff, and so. I think it's kind of like a humbling experience for him too. You right, know, he, right. he has all this paranoia. He's like, they're, they're probably following me right now. And they got my phone my tapped. <laughs> right. And I think, I think it's probably a, a big combination of that is he used to be proud to be a Panther and it kind of tipped the scales when he was sitting there hearing people talk bad, not just about Eric, but about Tammy and right. calling her names. And he's like, you know, this, this isn't what it means to be a Panther. So I think he was saying, I'm not a Panther anymore. I think he's saying I'm still a Panther, but not this new breed. And right. So if this is what it's turned into, I can't align myself with that anymore. Right. <clears throat> and I, you know, and I thought he cut Joe off at the pass when he's like, you know, who put that mailbox out there? I did. I, I dug it up in the middle, a hole in the middle of the night, and put it in there so I can tell whoever I want to. That's my mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's just a disgust with what it's kind of turned into. And like you referenced before, Pat, you know, Joe McCoy holding court at some, you know restaurant where he's trying to go ahead and start recruiting 13 year old kids that live in nearby communities or counties or whatever. Um, and Joe may just be filled. He may have, you know, slid right into a role that, uh, that buddy had been in for a while, but I don't think it was quite as sleazy. I think Joe seems to be doing it for the good of his kid. 
And I think I think Buddy was doing it for the Panther Pride. Right. But what does what does Joe McCoy care about as a as a thirteen year? I mean, a thirteen year old won't make it to play with JD. That's true. And JD doesn't have any brothers and sisters that we know of. Why, why does he care? Is unless he's just like like you said, Russ, he's totally become the Burgermeister villain. I tell you what, that, that has got to be the nicest house in Dillon. Is, <laughs> is that party in their backyard? That place is. They, they better I mean, hope like, they don't offend a lot of people because they're going to have a hard time selling that house in Dillon. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, um, I, I tell you what is is totally not interesting to me right now was the, oh, yeah. I think this is probably one thing that, that is just one time. And then, um, oh. probably done with it is the Julie church issue, which is kind oh, of yeah. funny. It's interesting. We all work at church. I, I, <laughs> I, like I just, uh, I was kind of like, eh. right. It just, it really seemed like the only person in the whole story that really cared about it was Tammy. Right. You know, maybe coaches occupied or whatever, but nobody really seems to, but that seems that seems so disconnected from everything else going on in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me think they're setting up for something else later on, though, because right. they usually don't just throw in random things, you know. And it's like the uh, it's like the stuff with Matt and his art, you know. And I've been that's been a side plot that I haven't been I wouldn't say frustrated with it, but I, I, I almost feel disconnected with it as well. I guess not really kind of happening with anything else at all. You uh. know? And Let me tell you, when he walked into the house at the end of the episode, I was hoping so bad that, that guy was dead. Just so we didn't have to deal with him anymore. Uh, so uh, here's my question is when Julie walks up and Matt, walk, you know, Matt walks by him first and he's kind of in the corner. Is he drinking moonshine? Like what is out he's of drinking out of like a, yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I'm trying to figure, he's always slurping. It's always coming out the sides of his mouth. Like, how, thank God he had on pants this time. Man. <laughs> Lord. He looked like that guy in the Sixth Sense. First time, <laughs> Marky Mark. But uh, you know, I think if you did see the previews for next week, you see that uh, you know last week we talked saying that you know you know Matt's not going to leave Dylan with his grandma still there, and we know outside of the show that Matt and that um uh, Zach Guilford's only there for like four or five or five or six episodes, and so I think the end is near for Grandma. What? Matthew, yeah. Um, I'm wondering how they're gonna do that too. Like, maybe they they won't kill her off just to appease people. Um, uh, or maybe they will, but oh, maybe yeah. she'll get like some sort of like really uh, illness that has to be dealt with just in Chicago or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> that'd be too clean. Just have, yeah, just happens to be a um an experimental research hospital in Chicago, Illinois. Across the street from Chicago's Art Institute. From the Art Institute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did uh did y'all did y'all see Luke? I mean, we keep talking about Luke, and I think I like Luke as a character, and you know, and on one hand, I do think he's being realistically <laughs> wanting wanting to have his his moment and be able to do what he wants to do, you know, because he was the stud running back over at Dylan, but I've never seen him get up in any other players' faces. Right. Um, and so I understand his, you know, talking to Tim, Coach hates me, blah, 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 but, and, and wanting to be able to play some offense. But I don't understand the tension there between him and Vince. And Vince seems to be calling him out even multiple times. You know, what do you, what do you, and I don't know if that's Calvin Brown being in, in Vince's ear about it. But overall, as a character, I mean, 
I appreciate Luke more and more. I, I do think he, I was crying before, um, you know, when he learned he had to go somewhere else, that kind of caught me off guard. But knowing that he gets up and has to, you know, work the farm before he goes to school and right. then goes to practice. And he's saying, all I want to do is get out of here. You know, football is my ticket out. And so I appreciate his passion. And he may be a fantastic uh, running back, but he seems to be a heck of a defensive back as well. <laughs> How obvious is it that his dad is not a real actor? The guy playing his dad. <laughs> the- How obvious is it they were like, hey, you got a duster. Will you come be in Friday Night Lights this week? Here's your one line. Sure. Coach wants to see you. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they had a whole lot for Make him. Quick. So. He's got work to do. Hey, but part of it is, um, I think, well, I don't know. I think that his uh, his family situation is going to come into play. I And we talked about this last week, boy, but I – I, Luke is the he's like my my favorite new guy I, I like him a lot I, even when he's it's like he's trying to assert himself but he doesn't want to be too assertive he he just seems so polite because there's like three times when he's like all due respect or right. no disrespect right. and he, you know, but he was still bold you know when a coach would say no you, I'll promise you this I'll give you I'll do everything in my power to get you that scholarship if you do one thing and lead for me he goes can you do that he goes yeah yeah and he stuck his hand out and said, thank you, sir. You know, yeah, sure. <laughs> and if, if you want to pat on the back, you don't have to earn it. And then he slugs him in the shoulder. Anyway. How awesome like was that. it when Coach Taylor was like, don't bring my wife into this. You're the <laughs> one that did something wrong. Knowingly. <laughs> That's a great time. That was a great time. I'm not, I'm not picking up on Riggins being a, uh, a coach. I mean, you know, <laughs> to Coach Taylor said, uh, uh, Tim, take Luke down with the DBs. And he just walked him down the sidelines. He goes, now DB it up. <laughs> you know what was great? Another thing that was great about that scene, and this is what I love about Friday Night Lights, is the dialogue. If you remember, he was he was standing there talking to Luke and that girl. What's her name? Becky, Becky. is her Becky. name. She uh, she yelled at him from the sidelines, and Luke said, "What does that mean?" And, and uh, Riggins was like, "Huh?" Like he didn't hear him, and then he had to repeat himself, and then he did hear him. Like, and it's just stuff like that that would really happen in real life. Like you wouldn't hear, or you'd act like you didn't hear. And then somebody have to repeat themselves, but you never see that written in dialogue. Oh yeah, it's always you know, very clean, right? I I like that scene too because that's when uh, <laughs> Riggins says, "I rent a room from her mom," and Luke goes, "And I wish I went and rented a room from her mom." And <laughs> Riggins just kind of gives it, gives him the eye or whatever. <laughs> Luke's just like, oh, "Sorry," he just looks at him, walks away. Yeah. Do you see anything happening between the two of them, Tim and Becky? Riggins, Luke, yeah. <laughs> Because obviously um, she's in pursuit, and he's trying to push Luke off on her or set something up there, but it's right. obvious that she's got interest in him. I like her too, though. I like her character. I like the fact that her, you know, that seems to be saying, it just, she seems like a female version of Riggins and the fact that her mom's not really around. They live in this house. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't have a brother or anything like that, but. She seems that, to have much more motivation, though. She's getting him up to go to school. He would have slept there. That's through. true. Right, but she's also not like entranced by Riggins. Like it seems like everybody else in the town is either just like in awe of this yeah. lifestyle that he lives, or they don't care. They've written him off, but she's just she's not afraid of him. And that, that I think that's what's interesting. Yeah, hey Tim Riggins, who used to be a Panther. <laughs> Ouch! Um, so but, she uh, does he, play strong on that. Yeah, he still seems to be kind of the. He doesn't want to talk about, you know, Luke tells him, you know, I see you're not wearing your ring. And it's he's really 
he doesn't want to be noticed at all in the right. least bit right now. Oh, that's terrible. Um, so, and you didn't see him on the sideline of the games, uh, of the game Saturday. I mean, or the, I don't remember <laughs> whenever they play. Night. Yeah, whenever whenever their games are. But he really seems to. It's like he's trying to be um, right. incognito again. Well, he's making that transition from being the star to being all these like people who are just stuck in Dylan that we've seen in a lot of episodes throughout the the seasons that they just show like people who have rings but are who are still there and can't get out and he's he's in the middle of making one of those transitions and it's tough tell me this though back back to the football game with luke and vince what coach that any of you guys have ever known of if would would put vince back out there for the uh, field goal team right after he just did that I guess a coach well, he, that only has 18 players. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. He only has 18 players. and um, That's a nice that's little shovel pass by Landry. Yeah, I <laughs> think part of it is the, you know, that's Coach Taylor really wanting really wanting to give Vince a chance. I, 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 Vince is the kind of guy that I feel like has a lot of potential, but to be intriguing and to be interesting, they just haven't started to talk about him very much. I think he's just got he, – he's just – he's all attitude. We haven't seen any glimpses right. of – except for the fact that, you know, his, his mom is in a pretty messy situation. But Right. I think uh, there's a I lot that happens next week with him. Um, again, if, I don't know if each of you guys have seen the previews. I haven't but, seen it. But there's some definite tension between he and Luke. And it seems like yeah. the coach is going to try to come in the middle and, you know, make him hug and make up. And I don't know how that's going to – Going to finish out there because Calvin, Calvin is still obviously playing that. Uh, you know, the, the white coach is going to always play the white boy uh, right. every time, and so I think that's in his head. I, th- I don't think Coach really ever sees. I mean, obviously with the, what he's done with uh, with Smash the previous three seasons, uh, right. I think he cares about the boys and the team regardless. You know, and it would only take uh, Mama Smash, I can't remember what her name was, um, to come and talk and say what Coach did for her boy. Um, right. I would love to see Smash make an appearance and come back and do something, but right. Well, this is a good time to talk about predictions, though. I, okay. I, I say we talk about predictions, like things that we would like to see happen that would make it interesting, and then I, th- I think we should talk about apocalyptic predictions, things that would really be terrible. Okay, we can start with whichever one you want. Let's start with apocalyptic. I, apocalyptic prediction. I I think everything devolves could devolve into an all-out racially heated. Just tense ball, and the only people who can save it are Landry and um, Jess. Jess Merriweather's love that is spawning on the football field, where she knows how to kick a sixty-yard punt. I don't well, want to see that. Happen. I just don't want to see that happen. Well, I see that. The only thing that's going to happen is this is the only thing I would like to see come out of it is that Tyre will show up at some point, and then they'll be they'll be trying to figure out which. What, what's going on inside Landry's head and heart? You got to take on um, that, rest. <laughs> that's, that's something that I did not do not foresee happening. So, um, uh, I think I do think Jess's dad is gonna. I mean, he's in the preview for next week too, so he's gonna be. He kind of he kind of sounds like he might be the old, the stable guy of the neighborhood. He's trying right. to kind of bring everybody along. Excellent. So. Maybe the key. And I'll be able yeah. to that. Well, one of the things, too. The is- to me would be Buddy Garrity in a red shirt. <laughs> it just shouldn't happen. 
I don't know if it will because um, even you even saw Tim Riggins. He was on at, at practice. He had his old Dylan jacket on. I don't right. know if you noticed that it had Dylan thirty three on there. And so I don't, th- you know. And one of the things too, you know, you remember Eric telling Luke. He says, you know, I understand you still want to be a Panther. I know what that's like. <laughs> believe me. And so I don't know that Buddy. I think Buddy's still a Panther at heart, but not the new breed of Panther. But I don't know if he put on a red shirt or not. I don't know. I can really see. I, I really don't want uh, Buddy to be in red. I, what I could see happen with Buddy is that he starts being sympathetic to the East Dillon, maybe even gives him a little money to help. But then there's some decision that comes up down the line. You know, something's going to happen that's going to make everybody in town choose between one or the other, and Buddy's going to have a choice, and then Buddy's going to be kind of twisted. This is actually not one of my apocalyptic predictions. This would be a, a prediction that I would like to see because I do I do like Buddy Garrity, but not. Buddy Garrity always doing the right thing. I like I like the twisted Buddy Garrity trying to figure out what's right, kind of bumbling through it. And in terms of Buddy, you know that at some point Lyle's going to come back, and so you know there's going to be some sort of I'm not going to say drama, but she's going to add a wrinkle to something somewhere. Right. But I think I think that is part of the character of Buddy is that he yes he loves the Dylan Panthers, but I think he I think that's part of it is that he loves being in control and. And that he's not in control now, and that is a bigger thorn in his side than any anything else. Is like, and I know, you know, Blakey said Joe does things differently than he does, but there seems to be a really just kind of a rub with Buddy that he's just really upset that he's not in control anymore. Right. Um, but what I would love to see about him is like. I'd love to see the, him talk about all the things that he's been through in the last four years. Like he got a divorce, he got arrested for fighting at the strip club, he was drinking all the time, like he <clears> lost <throat> everything, and now he's trying to find himself again. And I would like to see like him come to terms with that, try to figure that out. Because he's all alone right now, you know. Oh yeah, season uh, one. His other kids are gone. Right. Lila, I don't know if she was talking to him at the end at the wedding or what, but it seemed like everything was really bad for him. I would just love to see. That enter in because you think season one he had you know his three kids and his wife all right there and now he's living by himself his wife and all has moved to some other place with the kids and Lila's at uh at, at Vanderbilt. Speaking of kids, I know. I, I'll tell you this though: you're talking about. I believe that they've already had their jump the shark moment with, you know, Landry committing murder. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and then they came back. And then they came back from that. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that they could, they could probably come back from whatever. My apocalyptic scenario would be probably um, Tammy Taylor having um, an affair with Tinker and his mustache, because <laughs> that would be, that would be both unbelievable and catastrophic That's for true. everybody involved. Is Who is Tinker? He's the the big guy that at the very beginning when coach was like, "Oh, Tanker, yeah." <laughs> his uh his mustache went away mid episode and showed back up during oh, the game. Oh, Tanker, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> I was like, "Why do they call him Tanker?" My own, like Tinkerbell. Yeah, Tinkerbell my... would be much more ironic, and you'd have to credit somebody for that. But... It's like calling him Tiny. Yeah. Well, see, that's kind of well, yeah, Tanker that. But that that even that, that would be apocalyptic in scope and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but uh, we saw the screaming, yelling assistant coach a couple of times. Yeah, 
Um, that was fun. I, I like when I just I really like that practice scene when Luke would make all those hits. For some reason, I thought it was really funny when he just goes, "Bring that wood, Cafferty." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he was, reminds me. What's that football player that was on the that had the great clip where he's like, "I brought the wood. I brought the wood." Oh, that was McFadden. Yeah, Darren McFadden. Yeah, it was the LSU Arkansas game the uh, year before last. And Pat makes a vague sports reference. Brought that wood right here. Brought but that, there you go. that was the coach too. That in the opening scene when they're raising money, that uh, he was on the hood of the car going, "We are the Eastern Lions!" Roar! Did y'all notice though that if we're to believe the time sequence of everything, that they were doing that? fundraiser at the exact same moment that Tammy and Julie were getting out of church. <laughs> yeah. Probably why there was nobody out there to give them money. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I guess was Tim giving people money to stick in the buckets or in the helmets, but they were running and taking it and running. Yeah. Let, me t- let me tell you about time sequence. There's more time sequence shifting on Friday Night Lights than there is in Lost with all these people repeating grades and mustaches reappearing and stuff like that. Uh, Dil- Dylan has a, a very off-center time-space continuum, I believe. Right. Well, there's a. I think there's a, um, a a time zone that changes between east and west, Dylan. Yeah, because it takes <laughs> a, a while to get days. from one place to the other. Right. Uh, well, let's look I at. Uh, that, go ahead. I didn't know that. Uh, something else that I wanted to touch on is that um, if I am am a, a football coach, I always keep my my timeouts until the last m- minute. Of, of the game. Right. And then I just tell my friend coach Taylor to be anywhere in the, in, in, in within distance of a phone. And I call time out and I ask him what we do, because if you need a score in the last minute of the game, right. coach Taylor is the one is the one right. that you want coaching your team. Cause he probably has, I mean, just thinking I count one, two, three, four, just off the top of my head, times when they've scored in the last 15 seconds of the, of the game. Pretty much is, the final play. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's pretty unbelievable. He's clutch, man. Yeah, that's the way he does it. And half the time they're on busted plays. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, I tell you though, is that the thing that I, I really like. He he really has kind of lost his crap. Um, Coach Taylor has, but there are times when you just see the real, like Coach Taylor coming coming through he delivers the cheesy line about oh these these look new but these are still work clothes and right you know that's just that's that's the kind of like vintage coach taylor stuff that we still want to see let's how go do to work you, how do y'all like the new how do y'all like the new unis by the way they're pretty the new under under armor uniforms <laughs> <laughs> the ones given at a discount and a held check by under armor incorporated like you need to contact Armor Under Armour and see if they'll sponsor the podcast. <laughs> Them and Armor all as well. Uh, exactly. But, <laughs> they, like I said, they they look pretty basic and simple, but bold at the same time. Um, I wonder if they're good away jerseys or if they always have to wear red. Yeah, Hopefully I don't know. For, for five thousand bucks, they got more than eighteen jerseys. <laughs> exactly. I was trying to do the math <laughs> on that. Well, if you think in helmets, I mean, they had they bought new helmets too. That's true. But those weren't Under Armour. Under Armour didn't yeah. make helmets, though. That's that's true. They did have Armor All on them. They, they were shining, shining blinging. Did I say Armor All? No. <laughs> okay. I didn't know. Sometimes I trip over my words. 
I thought you about did. <laughs> yeah, I probably did. Um, I'll, I don't. I don't like the helmets. They just remind me of Alabama. It makes me want to right. puke. But that's because I hate Alabama. It seems like a mix between Alabama and Nebraska's helmets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's think of that too. Um. But anyway, well, let's get a little bit of listener feedback uh, that someone called in and left us a, a voicemail. And again, if anybody wants to call in about the show, either before or after the podcast, we'll do our best to get it on. The number is 662-259-0185. And uh, you can see that number easily on um, fnlpodcast.com or on the Twitter page at twitter.com slash fnlpodcast. And this is Sandy, I believe. Let's listen to this. Hi, it's Sandy in Seattle. I just finished watching episode three, another good one. First, I just have to say, go, buddy. That was really awesome. And I really loved Coach Taylor and Tammy, how they talked through their money issues. He apologized, and she was understanding. They're just great. They're great. My husband's always making fun of me because I get so invested in characters even though he likes a lot of the same shows. But I just get really emotionally invested in the characters, and he's always saying, you know they're not real, right? And, of course, I know they're not real, but I don't know. I think characters are really important, and especially in a show like this, the characters are so authentic, and they're so layered, and they're flawed, so they certainly represent who we are as people. But they're also very good, and inspirational, so I think they also represent who we would like to be. So, anyway, that's why a show like this and, and a lot of the other shows that I love, that's why I get so invested in the characters. But, anyway, it was a great episode, and I'll just say one more thing about the preview for next week. Um, at the end, where Julie is very upset, and Matt comes to the door, and she says, have you called your mom? And then the preview ends. So I'm wondering if something's going to happen to Matt's grandma. That's going to be really sad if that's the case. But it, it does kind of make sense because, you know, I think he will be stuck in Dylan if he's always taking care of his grandma. But, you know, if something happens to her, he will be free in a way. So anyway, we'll see. So I enjoyed the, the podcast last week when you had a guest. Or you know another host. So, and anyway, I look forward to the next one. All right, bye. I agree. I agree with her about the characters being emotionally invested. Almost, almost embarrassingly so. Anybody have characters that they were surprised by how emotionally invested they were? I see. I see so much of uh, you know Tim Riggins and myself that uh, now I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I, I do, looking at the at the relationships though. I, I feel. I find myself looking at the marital relationships and sometimes I'm thinking, man, it'd be awesome to be Tammy and, um, and Eric's relationship kind of being married in my own marriage. But sometimes I look at him, I'm thinking, dude, just, you know, you're being too hard now and then. But I do think, you know, at the very end of the episode, you see him laying there and she's like, Oh, you'll be able to get to sleep easily. Now you know, finished the game, but you can tell he's staring at the, at the ceiling, still trying to figure out things. And so I, I do get invested trying to figure out what's next. And, and even especially the Matt Saracen storylines, not so wow. much this year, but especially it was the episode, I mean, season two, when he got thrown in the, uh, in the shower and 
he would say, they say, no, you go ahead, just leave me. Everybody's left me. My, yeah. you know, my dad left me, your daughter left me, you left me. Yeah. And th- that just really tears at you. Right. I thought, I thought the only thing about the, the whole Landry murder, it shall not be mentioned again thing that was so terrible. The only good part about that is that, that Landry's dad, and that guy's in a lot of stuff. He was so good in 24. Um, but he, he's in both really, Transformers movies too. Almost, those are almost as bad as the, the murder plot. Yeah, um, they, they are. <laughs> this would be a good time for us to plug our Transformers podcast. Right. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, uh, you know, you really feel for that guy and feel bad about what's going on with him. And, I, and I, Landry, Landry's one that gets me. I don't know if I just kind of relate to him in high school because I was kind of, kind of that goofy kid that really wanted to hang out with people. And and be noticed or whatever. And uh, when he and Tyra broke up, I was kind of like I was kind of mopey for a little while because I really I, wanted it to work out for them. I was uh, e- e- equally as um, <laughs> yeah, I have trouble getting it out. I was equally as geeky as Landry, but you can also take his take away his ability to charm <laughs> hot chicks too because that's <laughs> that Landry does have right um, for some for some reason. I'll tell you what did it for me when it comes to being emotionally emotionally invested in the characters was um, when Coach caught Matt and Julie last <laughs> year. And uh, no, and I, I mean this is this is what really did it for me is at the, at the end of that episode when, and this is just because probably I work with with teenagers and families and stuff like that, but when Tammy and and Julie have the conversation. That's obviously yeah. very awkward at the very end uh-huh. um, of that episode, and they start crying, and Julie goes, "Why? Why are you crying?" And Tammy just goes, "Because I wanted you to wait, and I love you, and I care about you." The the thing I think that is so good is that, and I said this when it happened, but you kind of we kind of look at the Taylors and say, "That's a that's a good family." Like we just look at them and say, "That's a good family." And right. there are other shows that have families on there. You're like, "Man, I I like that family," and but you don't ever see why they're good families. Right. And it's because right. they have conversations like that that makes them a good family, you know? Um, because that was awkward and difficult and really hard. I mean, I, I, you felt like you were in the room with them, you know? It, yeah. was, just, it was really strange. And then, you know, Coach acts a totally different way. He cleans the grill until it <laughs> looks like it's about to break in half. And, and Matt so, comes in and goes, uh, hey, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so I think those are the things when you talk about them being emotionally invested with the characters. Those are the things that really kind of kind of grab me because those it, it just explains why they can get get through that kind of stuff because he, it shows shows their fights. Yeah. And another thing about Sandy's uh, voicemail, she said about she sees Matt's grandma possibly being being gone pretty soon as well. So I think the writing is on the wall there. I'm not saying for sure, but it seems like that's almost a given at this point. I wonder what her final words are going to be if she does die. Just be like, I mean, we should call Landry a girl. Will she? Right. Get her eyes full of hearts. That would, that would be jumping the shark. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really sure why Buddy said that to, uh, to the boosters there at the booster party. Because I think it was just because he was rambling. He didn't know what to say. And yeah. he thought that would make a make the biggest splash at the end, even though it really it's kind of incongruent with everything else. 
been the motto for three years, and now it's not anymore. So maybe that's, that's kind of the thing is that, hey, there's been a change in the guard that I, I don't like. I was almost wondering if he was making reference to that he didn't think that they're, they had clear, clear eyes, eyes and full hearts right now. clear, yes. Yeah, they, they're <laughs> like, you have cataracts, my friends. You have cataracts now. You can't see clearly. And empty hearts. Therefore, I- you will lose. <laughs> There's a I man that that conversation I tell you McCoy is like man he is really really turning people he just really hates the Taylors it's okay. almost like well they they ruined believe. his life in his eyes because yeah. they broke up his family I mean there's a there's a real personal. Are you Even talking about when he was making fun of them when they were, when Buddy first walked into the bar? Uh, I say the bar, first walked into the restaurant the first time and he was making fun of Coach Taylor. Oh, we need to quit. Yeah, and I, you know, I, something, I'm sure everybody in town was doing that. Uh, something that we didn't see in in this episode so much, but we've kind of talked about the idea that we haven't seen Katie McCoy at all. Right, I, I think the fact that the fact that you know, of course. Joe slapped around JD last year and the fact that they haven't really confronted that or, or dealt with that. And, and they just kind of pushed all the blame on the Taylors for the fallout from that has really, it's, it's really affected their family. Cause you remember last year, you know, JD, he didn't even drink Coke or anything like that. And now, now he's like at parties drinking and, you know, it just, he was always real clean and straight laced and, right. and stuff like that. And I guess part of that could be the, the Reagan's influence getting him drunk or whatever, but. Um, oh, he, he's, he'll be in the culmination, what divides the town. He'll be right there in the mix. That, yeah. the, those things are going to come out. Yeah. I feel like. Well, I mean, I kind of feel like that most of the town doesn't really care about, about East Dillon and I, I think I think it would be really believable if they only won like two. I mean, I think that's probably going to be yeah. That that team's not going to go to the playoffs or anything like that. And their state championship game will be against Dillon, which I I still don't get that because other than the fact that because they're natural rivals because they're so close, they got to play each other. But East Dillon just really seems like it's a it's like a one A school. It just seems like it's really small compared to. Bye. Dylan, I don't know if that's just because the football team is like that, but I agree. That's, that, like, that's gonna be like one of my apocalyptic uh, things: is saying that if they come back and just dominate in yes. the East-West game, I yes. think that's a, a obvious shark jumper. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would like. I they're gonna play. That's probably gonna be the culmination of the season. I would like for them to play. I would like to be. I would like for them to to be in it, but it's almost like I don't want them to win. So who's going to score the winning touchdown, Luke or Vince? Uh, Against Dylan? Yeah. Landry. <laughs> Landry. I, th- I think a three-person lateral, hook and ladder. Jess Merriweather. She's, she's going to punt. I really thought they were going to sign her up to play punter. Hey. I was going to be like, I'm done. <laughs> you, can't, you can't run the old girl who's playing football crap anymore. It's been done to me. Well, I think that about does it for uh, for today. We – um. Look forward to people being able to call in and leave some leave some uh, feedback and voicemail. And again, thanks for for Russ and Pat both being able to to be a part. And looking forward to them being with us many more times. We, want, we also want to thank Under Armour one last time. <laughs> Sounds and Armour Raw. <laughs> and Armour Raw. <laughs> uh, All right, guys, appreciate it. All yes, right, sir. See ya.